When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What do you think happens to someone after they die? I don't know. Like, do you believe in heaven? I never did. But the whole idea of an afterlife, but now I don't know. So I have these dreams about about your mom. Yeah, and we have long talks about you, how you're doing. Which she sort of knows, but I tell her anyway. So what is that? It's sort of an afterlife, isn't it? I'm starting to forget her. Yeah, I'm sure we will, Michael. The freedom of speech is being taken away. From the wastelands of California, my name is Michael. I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. First-time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of this show. On a very special Tuesday edition of the Michael Deacon program, we'll be joined in a moment by E.A. Coetting. He is one of the most trusted names in magic. He started in poverty and fell into a life of crime and homelessness only to transform himself into a self-made success with magic. In the last several years, he's helped hundreds of thousands of magicians experience ascent. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Welcome back to another dose of the Michael Deacon program. Feels a little odd to be here, doesn't it? Regardless, here we are again under pale moonlight. Now let's waste no time here and bring on our guest. Hello. There you are. What's going on? Hey, uh, just uh, just hanging out. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. 
Can't complain. Excellent. Oh, yes. By the way, it's been a while since I've spoken to you. How is everything going for you? Oh, man, it's actually going better and better every day. Uh, you know, the, it, it's really amazing to me that I'll, I'll get little glimpses into, uh, into maybe the things that I need to do and the work that I need to do and what I need to unravel. Yeah. And I'll, all I've got to do is take a, like two or three steps in that direction and more and more becomes clear. The opportunities open up. It's, uh, it's really a, I mean, a charmed life that I live for sure. Yeah. And I spoke to you privately through email. And I kind of told you what was going on behind the scenes here. Mm-hmm. So you already know what's going on on this side of the fence. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, is it's, uh, I mean, we're, we're seeing that, that, that people's lives are, are, uh, being straightened out. That the friends that aren't really friends, uh, show themselves to be that, uh, our business relationships get sorted out. We're going through a, um, I mean, almost like a, a, a cataclysm worldwide with with just about everybody, but it's uh, it's not uh, of a entirely physical nature, at least not uh, for us here. You know, in other parts of the world, it's definitely taken on a uh, a physical battle. Uh, I think for most of us, that battle is going on, and it's uh, a clearing. That's that's definitely what I'm what I'm seeing with just about everybody that I that I talk to, especially anybody who's sensitive to the spiritual vibrations that are are changing at a rapid rate around us. That that our paths are being cleared for whatever it is that lies ahead. Yes, and you you mentioned 2012 as kind of the beginning of the new era, and you know what? Now that I think about it more and more often, you are actually right on that assessment. Yeah, you know, I th- I think we all built up, not you know, maybe not all of us, but I sure did build up this thing of what what would happen on December twenty first, twenty twelve, and I definitely uh, I hoped for a lot of things, but the change was was and still is much more subtle than all of that. That. Uh, Looking back on it, only a few years down the road, and we can see how much has gotten shaken up in politics, in religion, in in every aspect of our lives uh, on a microcosmic or a macrocosmic scale. Things are definitely changing. All of a sudden, we're we're uh, the the access that we're getting now to, I think, a, a higher vibration is uh, just about unmatched in 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 any historical event that we can point to. Yes. Now, Eric, let's uh, start with the basics here. Take us through some of your history here. What exactly influenced you to take the left-hand path? Well, you know, uh, I would say that it it was a lot of studying and and trying to practice the alternative. You know, I I grew up in a good Orthodox Christian household. I don't know that you'd call it Orthodox. We were were Mormon. And, uh, and so people who aren't Mormon would definitely not consider it Orthodox. But, uh, it it was a a pretty, pretty fundamentalist, uh, Christian upbringing. And, uh, I really, I really put all that I had into using that paradigm. I mean, even as a child, you know, in, in my prayers, I wasn't praying like a normal kid might pray. I was praying with the uh the expectation of of having signs shown to me. I would read the uh the scriptures as a child with my family. Before bed every night we'd we'd sit down and read uh read the scriptures and each of us would take a turn and it was just uh, amazing to me the the stories of the prophets and the sorcerers of old. And uh 
I knew that somewhere inside of that was a method that that if you can receive revelation, then there must be a way in, that that a person could duplicate that. And uh, and so I started looking for that that way of duplicating these these uh, massive uh, spiritual successes by spiritual giants. And, uh, and, and I started finding it not in, not in conventional religion or, or conventional spirituality, but kind of on the fringes in what you could be called and is called witchcraft or black magic. That using these techniques that are absolutely forbidden, these, these ancient rituals and, uh, and this communion with these ancient spirits opened up the doorways to actually being able to to contact the spirit world and to begin to work within it. By the way, reading here your bio, as always, for every guest that I um, present here on the program, it says you started in poverty and you fell into a life of crime. Can you explain that for me? Well, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, um, uh, you know, to clear up, I, I was born... Well, I was born into some uh, some odd circumstances and was was given away at about six months old. And uh, the people who took me in were were absolutely not good people. They should should not have had children in their care at all. And uh, and so the the first few years of my life were pretty uh, tumultuous. I did end up with a, a you know a good Mormon family at four years old that that raised me, and they they had a um, a a, a stiff hand when it when it came to uh making sure that the uh the law of the lord was was being obeyed but i mean not nothing too crazy um but uh after when when i started kind of growing up and and you know getting on my own i uh, my my mother who did have she she considered herself to be atheist but at the same time she was terrified of everything i was getting into that uh she started to look at um the books that I was bringing home, the Satanic Bible or different books on witchcraft. And, and so our, our relationship got really tight. And so about 16 years old, um, she told me if I didn't like the, the, the rules of the house, I could hit the road. And oh. so I did. And uh, used magic to, to – and by magic, I mean ritual magic and the, the practical aspect of, of occultism. Used that to kind of build my life up and, and – have seen at least a couple times where for one reason or another, I've given up everything, gone and, and found myself homeless. And, uh, and, you know, at one point I did this completely on purpose simply to be able to use the, all of these, these secrets of power to, to bring my life back. I mean, kind of the story of Job to, to restore everything that I lost, uh, tenfold. So, uh, so yeah, so, I, I did find myself. I have found myself homeless a few times. Um, yes. But mm -hmm. uh, it's here's the thing: is is when you realize that your whole reality can be completely restructured within moments. I mean, some sometimes within the same day, a ritual that's performed bears fruit. And uh, and so when you kind of have that certainty about it, it physical circumstances matter a lot less. That, I agree that, with you, by the way, with just one roll of the dice. Your life can change. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, and and I'll tell you what. It, if if you look through as as I've looked through the the scriptural texts of of every religion, the underlying theme that that it keeps coming back to, in at least the more ascendant aspects of scripture, is the idea of non attachment. That that you really can't 
you can't invest yourself fully in what's going on in this world because it, it I, I'm not going to say that it's all illusion because it is very real to us right now. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, there, it, it's only a fragment of the reality that exists. And so you get too tied up in what circumstances are pushing at you. And, and really, you know, when we're talking about practical magic and actually using rituals or spells to make things happen, pacing the room and, and worrying about when it's going to happen is, is the quickest way to kill your success. That, that really you do have to develop that non-attached state where, you know, I, I really don't care right now that I'm living on the streets because I can get it all back within a week and I have. Right. And, I'm curious now, when you were going to school and you were in your adolescence, were you, I guess you can say, were you a bit of a loner? Were you a bit of a lone wolf? You know, I I, I think I chose that after a bit, um, for sure. Uh, yes. You, you see, I, uh, a, lot, a lot of the things that I've heard you talk about are, are a lot of things that I see in myself, and I was just like that. And in the seventh grade is when exactly it was when I came to that realization that I was nothing like any of the other kids around me. And that very feeling there did not go away. And that feeling there still exists today. You know, it, that, that's a really interesting point because um, one of the big things that, that, that I first started noticing was that um I had to dumb down my conversations to be uh there you go to be appropriate yeah yes and and really you find yourself where where not not only the content content that you're speaking about but the context the 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 interest in certain things that that uh, really makes most people kind of uh, go what the hell are you talking about right well the the thing is is in you know, and this is this is something that that has really been uh, kind of on my mind for the past few years as I've seen it more and more. But the, the there's not a place in our modern society for the shaman. That you know, right. in, in society's past, True. there was a definite place in our in, in our societies where the shaman could guide communities, and and not everybody in a community is a shaman. And that's one of the big things I've seen in in reaching out and doing the work that I do of teaching people the secrets of the occult is that not, just about everybody can take it and use it. It's a valuable tool, the, the ritual magic and the, and, and the occult, but not everybody really flies with it. That you do have a, a pretty narrow window of people, I think, that are, that have a propensity to really excel with these, uh, you know, looking into these other worlds and looking into their own psyche in, in an intense way that, that the magician really does. And, uh, and so, yeah, there, we, we do stand out from others, but at the same time, I, I gotta tell you, the, the advancement of technology to allow us to have this conversation and allow who knows how many people to, to get in on it. Yeah. And to, and not only to listen, but to post their comments and to, to become active. We're really at a, at a revolutionary point where these ideas can, can kind of start to, to infiltrate. And you know what? I gotta tell you, like I, in doing the work I do, and you know, I put uh, all, all sorts of uh, videos up on YouTube constantly, yes. constantly. Right. And I, I'm not concerned with whether people like it or they hate it or, or whatever. What I'm concerned about is planting yeah. seeds. And you know, not, we're, we're going to get into that here in a moment, but continue. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my whole thing is I'm, I'm planting seeds and, and not 
you know, if you if you just if you cast your seeds out, not all of them are going to take ground and uh, and start to develop into roots. Uh, some of them will, and that's uh, that's what's necessary. Uh, I, I have found that the pool of people that are are uh, I think at this point primed to really investigate their deepest spirituality has has grown massively in just the last few years. Correct. And how exactly would you? I guess you can say consider yourself in terms of religion. Are, are you an atheist? Are you a Satanist? What exactly would you label yourself if you would exactly quote unquote label yourself? I, you know, I guess I would have to say I'm an, I'm an experientialist that it's all, it's all real. It's all real that, that, you know, one of the challenges, I remember one day I was out, uh, playing basketball with some friends out, uh, uh, in the, in the road here, just down the road from where I'm at now. And, uh. Were you in Philadelphia? No, no, oh, no. Sorry. This was, <laughs> I had actually, asked. Sorry. <laughs> this is in, uh, southern Utah. So, so I'm, I'm actually at the, the heart of, uh, Mormon country. And so we have, oh, uh, my, yes. and like, and like I said, I was raised in that religion. So I understand it very well, but we had some, uh, missionaries come up and, and you know these uh these 19 year old kids that uh, that think they're going to be able to convert people which some you know sometimes they do but uh you know they come up and and they laid a challenge at my at my feet saying you know read the book of mormon pray to god and see if it's true and see what he says and i said you know I'll, I'll take that challenge and i've taken it before um but the challenge that i would uh, that i offered in return was you that you can do the same thing with a satanic bible Read the Satanic Bible. Pray to Satan. He will tell you that it's true. And, uh, you know, you can do this with any, any scripture, any God, any spirit. Focus wholeheartedly on making contact with it and it will come. That all of these things are very, very true. And so it, picking one path over another is a little silly at that point. And so really my, my whole objective is to experience all of it. And, and in doing so, you do get a, a, I think a, a better look at the fact that every religion is saying the exact same thing. They're just using different vocabulary, even down to the, the appearances of the gods, that uh, that you see that the same beings seem to have manifested in just about every culture throughout time. By the way, this is one they always ask atheists out there, and I'll just ask you, where exactly do you get your morality from, if not from God's teachings? From, I mean, from experience. I mean, really, okay, so, so the... The idea that that religion is somehow parallel or tied to uh, morality or, or or good behavior is proven wrong left and right. I mean the the fact that um, do, according to uh, to just about every study out there, most of the people that are locked up in penitentiaries and prisons across this country as well as Australia for sex offenses do consider themselves to be religious people. Religion itself does not uh, guarantee morality. In fact, it's a false morality because you're just doing what other people say you should do. Right. My morality comes from my experiences. And so, I mean, honestly, I've screwed up enough to know not what, what not to do and until I screw up again. And then I kind of find out that there's more work to be done. And that's the whole point. You know, and, and I... I, I've got to tell you, like it's it's a process that definitely evolves over time because my my morality now at 36 years old, 
in, in a, uh, a, a very wonderful relationship that's been going on for several years and I hope goes on for the rest of my life with a 12-year-old daughter that's amazing. My morality has definitely shifted from what it was when I was 19 years old. Right. And, and that is, I think that's a, I mean, that's a big thing because, uh, if your morality or your ethics are drawn only from what someone else has told you, whether that's a person or, or a book, then there's really not much room for growth and for, I think, exploring and experimenting with your own morality. Now, with that, that does mean that you are going to sin, you know, quote unquote. You're going to do things that, that you find out that doesn't feel good. And that, I'll tell you what, that is, that is really the core of how, you know, that, that's my moral compass. True, what feels but, good. True, but eating shrimp is, is a sin too. Right. Well, yeah. There's some really silly things, of course, and this is exactly where I get into lots of different arguments with different pastors and priests that I've talked to that I try to get on the show, and they make the mistake of trying to get into this conversation with me, and that's when I bring up the Old Testament and um, it, it doesn't go very well from there because then I ask them um, what their where they get their morals from, and then I explain how they're morally wrong. Right. Yeah, but I, I don't want to do that tonight. I that was not <laughs> the purpose here, but I think you understand my um, rational mind. Yeah, you know, well, well, and and that's I think that's the biggest thing that's uh, that's missing when we get into religion now. Yes. Uh, you know, I'll, and. and the the rational mind is capable of quite a bit. There is a, a another mind, the intuitive mind, or or what I call the omnipresent mind, that right. uh, that does reach deep, deep and and, and far and wide. But mm-hmm. the rational mind, nevertheless, is a, a, an excellent tool. And the the problem that I've seen is there's no logical reason to to join or belong to any religion at all. If if it makes somebody comfortable and feel good within themselves that that's fine i have no problem with it um but uh it, there's there's no compelling argument and 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 especially for somebody who is speaking or seeking spiritual uh contact mm-hmm. a real spiritual experience that that's few and far between within a religious setting yeah and for the record i was an atheist for a very very long time and even even though I experienced a, a number of things, even today I experienced a whole mess of different things that have really just changed my paradigm, to be honest with you. So I kind of consider myself now an agnostic atheist. Well, you know, and if... If you look at the, uh, the, the, the whole, I mean, I, I love to look into language. Um, I, I'm not a numbers guy at all, but I am definitely a word guy. And, uh, and so I'll look into language and break the etymology of words down to really find out because the words you speak create the thoughts that you think. Because they definitely the- manifest. Yes. And see, that's, that's, that's exactly where I, I break off every now and then and there's that constant battle from within because I've experienced a number of wild things. And even, of course, um, me and you are both colleagues of the great Robert Bruce. Mm, and, yeah. and I've learned a lot from Mr. Robert Bruce. I've dabbled in astral projection and I've done quite well, I would have to say. And see, there, there's all these different things that go on that would, I guess, contradict what I'm telling you. And, um, well, well, you know, I mean, just just to jump in there real quick yeah, is that ahead. that atheism 
and the acknowledgement of a reality beyond the five mundane senses, I mean, they, they don't contradict one another. That you don't have to believe in a, a God who cares what you do and is writing every sin and every good deed down in a book somewhere. I mean, the whole concept is ridiculous. You don't have to believe in that ridiculous stuff to acknowledge that there is more to existence than we currently understand. And, I mean... I challenge you to find a physicist that won't agree with that. Right. Now, you mentioned something earlier. Now, I thought I'd just bring this up now. And we're moving on to pressing issues here, as I'd like to say. And I did want to ask you about this, and I'm sure you're quite fully aware by now. But by doing a simple Google search, this uh, article or website will be pulled up directly under yours. And I was curious about about that individual who wrote those things about you. He, he was attacking you, and that writer seemed to really have it out for you. Well, you know, uh, i got to tell you, I, 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 I had I'll, – I'll go ahead and be pretty upfront with you here. I, I got okay. arrested go a few years ago on some, okay. some drug charges. Well, I and, mean, uh, we, we all go through that. We all, you know, <laughs> um, we all have to face Johnny Law eventually. Well, yeah, well, you, you definitely do. And, and, and a, a couple of weeks before our arrest, and, and I'll, I'll gladly say because the, uh, the case has been closed and, and, uh, there are no pending charges against me, I can tell you that, uh, uh, I definitely did have some of the things that I said that they, that I had. And, uh, I was told a couple of weeks beforehand by the demon of Zazel to, uh, get rid of it all. And I, and, and I thought, okay, that's, that's probably good advice, but mm, I don't know. And I let a couple of weeks go by doubting what I'd been told by this, this demon. And, uh, and sh- lo and behold, uh, and you know, once again, yeah. li- living in the state of Utah, this is, uh, not a, uh, a liberal place at all. So they crack down on, on just about anything that they can that in some way goes against their, their priesthood. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, uh, but once again, through, through magic and through working the rituals that I work and through, you know, to diligent battling that that's a, something that's been won, but that did open up a floodgate, um, of people to go, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? How is it that, uh, that this become a living guy, uh, God guy is able to have these things happen and well, you're uh, living life. What's that? I said, you're living life. <laughs> well, yeah, living, that's life, you know, living life. And like I said, I had two weeks notice that if I would have paid attention, if I would have look, everybody, everybody that I talk to, I don't care what your religious affiliation is or, or if there is none at all or, or even if you think that all of this is just baloney. The, the fact remains that every single person has had something occur, usually on a regular basis that we just can't explain. It's, it's right as far as. You know, you, you lose your car keys and there's a nagging voice telling you to look under the bed and you ignore it and ignore it ignore it until finally you, you've looked everywhere else and there your keys are under the bed. Yeah, you know, any time, uh, Eric, by the way, any time I didn't listen to that voice, I got, I physically got hurt. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I can look at every single major disaster in my life and I knew I had warning. And, uh, the more you pay attention to that, the stronger it gets. It's, it's something I call the voice of magic. That, that the universe itself is speaking to you and if you just pay attention, it gets really, really clear. That's what I'm, and, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The universe sends you these signs and it's up, it's up to us to see them. 
to see, yeah, to see them and, and, and to believe them. There's, I'll tell you what, this is, this is one of the big things. Uh, when I work with people in, in developing their own magical skills, it, what, what I see is that everybody's got it, but nobody, not very many people at least are, are able to admit that they've got it. That, well, I heard this voice pop into my head, but I could just be imagining it. Uh, that, that is, uh, if you just shift from that into a more childlike state of accepting it for the moment, saying, you know what, this might be malarkey, but I'm going to see what the demon has to say. It, uh, it, it changes the whole game of, of reality and existence altogether. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so after, after that arrest, I did have a, um, uh, really an outpouring of, of, uh, Oh, oh, by the way, I I think we have a caller here joining us. Can you please turn down your stream there? Did you have a question? Hello, Mike. Uh, do I call you EA? Oh, Eric is, Eric is perfect, please. Okay, Eric, this is Marcy. Um, I just, I'm fascinated by everything you're talking about. Uh, one of the things I, put out in the the chat room a moment ago, you were saying God doesn't write everything down, and he doesn't have to. Everything's going to be a cash and made a, made a data bank. So mm-hmm. it's it's there. <laughs> but the other thing is, um, people have this perception of God as being this, generally, the, the stereotype is the white-bearded old man sitting on a cloud, and uh, obviously that's not what God is. As a matter of fact, there's there's one God with multiple personalities. I like. <laughs> by the and way, by the way, Marcy, personalities. Can I... are, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I couldn't hear you. Oh, I was just going to say, can you define God for us? Well, I can define it for me. I can't define him for you, and I of can't course. define him for Eric. That is that's... probably that's probably the best answer I've ever heard to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, to, to, to jump in real quick, the, the, there are the, you know, what you, what you call the Akashic records. All that has happened and even all that will happen is, is stored in this, this, uh, storehouse on the uh, spiritual dimensions. And, um, and that is accessible to any God figure. It's also accessible to any human. And this cues us into the fact that, uh, and this, this is the, the the whole point that I'm always getting at that we are the creators of our own reality, uh, and we are the gods that are here now in in human form. This is this is what every savior was trying to tell us, Jesus included. All that I have done, ye shall also do, and even greater things. And uh, and so you 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 look at all of this, and, and yeah. Absolutely, the Akashic records are there, and you can spread yourself into omnipresence and omniscience. You can, through methods of soul travel, divination, and evocation, you can inherit all of the attributes of God. And you can look into the Akashic records. You can know all that there is to know. You can have every secret revealed to you. The, the big problem is, is being able to make sense of it with your conscious mind later on. But there, you do have that knowledge. For sure. And, and if you're able to narrow it down to a pointed question, when you enter into the Akashic Records, then you can get sure answers to just about anything that you want to know. Problem is, I lost my password. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think you've got I don't know if they'll send me a new one. 
<laughs> I, th- I, th- I think, uh, you know, the, the intuitive feeling I get from you is that you've got enough guides around you that you can get in whenever you're ready. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, do, uh, does your intuition tell you what my mission is? <laughs> I figured that out and I'm an old fart now. <laughs> oh my. You know, I, I think that, uh, you've probably already been living out your mission quite a bit. You've touched yeah. a lot of people. You have, you, you're the, you're the type of person, and once again, this is completely intuitive, but I'm getting that you're the type of person that would give everything to a stranger if you felt like they really needed it and, uh, and, and that, in doing so, in a lot of aspects of your life, you have helped and touched a lot of people. Okay, yeah, I can I can buy that. <laughs> so it's just it's not I I don't want to have to. In fact, I'm a very behind the scenes person, and I don't want to those be one of those people with the mission that where you're in the spotlight and on the stage because you know what. And people start worshiping you, and if they worship you, if you do something they don't like, they'll crucify you it's you mm-hmm. you're almost like the little magic pet so no thank you to worship i'll have on that crap <laughs> it's and it's hard to get away from once you start teaching people once you start delivering knowledge to people and 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 especially once you start awakening them to a greater reality it it does turn to worship and and the um, maybe gratitude for that does does get mistaken for other emotions and uh and so it does get difficult for sure and the also the the other problem behind that is the they figure if they worship or I'm figuring they figure if they worship and bow down and pray that whomever the worshipee is will do their magic and make everything okay for them, and they don't have to lift a finger and mm. no. No, they've got to do the work. They they want the thing. They have to do the work for it. It may be very little effort. It might be a lot of effort. But they're the ones that have to do the work. And I and I think worshiping is such a misunderstood uh, uh, thought. Mm-hmm. And I think worshiping is very dangerous, especially for the person who's being worshipped. So again. I'm a very behind-the-scenes person. I do not want the spotlight. Uh, I don't have the looks for the spotlight. Uh, I like to crack jokes from time to time, maybe a comedian spotlight for maybe half an hour. <laughs> I'm good with that, but that's about it. Definitely understandable, definitely understandable. I mean, yes. have, you know, being in the spotlight myself, I can definitely uh, relate to not wanting to. Yeah, thank okay, you. Well, yeah, thank you for the call, by the way. And, and uh, listen to the rest of the show. Thank you very much, Eric, and thank you, Mike. All right, take care. Bye bye. But you know, you know, Mike, uh, uh-huh. I, I think she she just summarized a good deal of what we were talking about she as really far did. as uh, um, it, 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 there is. So, so the website and the, the entire interface that I'm using in order to reach the world with my message is called Become a Living God. Right. My 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 partner and I. We, we spent several hours, you know, we're, we're across the country from one another, and so, uh, so we'll jump on the phone constantly and, and, uh, and brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And, and we did this with, uh, when, when we first started this project, and, uh, Timothy, my partner, threw out the idea of, of the term, or the phrase, become a living God. And, uh, I instantly said, I said, no, 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 that's too much. That's, uh, 
But um, as we, we kind of hashed it out, it was clear that that was exactly what my entire work – I mean, I've written eight books on, on the subject and, and have been pushing for most of my adult life in this community – and that is the underlying message that it's not a matter of that you are a, a, a living God. You can become one and you can become one in, instantaneously for a moment. And, uh, and that's when you're in, in the depths of meditation or, or, I mean, I'll tell you what, what I've been finding more and more is, is getting out into the middle of nowhere, going beyond the cities and beyond the, the, the telephone poles until you're absolutely in the middle of nowhere and, uh, and looking upon the beauty of existence that you really hit that point of, of a connection with it all. And you understand that, that you are in that moment a divine being, but those are fleeting moments. And then you come back and you're, you're once again the guy that has to wash the dishes and, and take out the trash and yeah. pick up dog poop. That's you know? the moment of clarity I speak of. And, mm. you know, you find that a lot out here, out in the desert, away from all the lights. It lets you actually contemplate your life. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the, I guess in some parts of the world we're running out of space, but uh, but here in the the western part of the United States there is nothing but space. And yeah, we're uh, very lucky to be born here, by the way. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'll, I'll drive around with my daughter, and ever since I mean, I remember her being in a car seat and and driving around this beautiful area, mm-hmm. watching the sunset, or or just looking at the uh, you know the shadows that are that are casting across the the canyons around here, and thinking and 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 vocalizing to her is it, that that we're not just lucky, but in a way that we're blessed. That there is a that there is a sense of 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 wonder and awe. At, at the natural creation. And I'll tell you what, this is really the, the big tie-in that I've seen with, with magic is that you look around you, especially at, at, at the living ecosystem that, that is in the wilderness, and you can see that there's a definite intelligence that's guiding it all. That, that the animals and the plants all know exactly how to interact, but yeah. there's no higher cerebral function. And so, I mean, there is, once again, a, 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 a living field of consciousness. And, and this is, you know, if we've got the three dimensions of, of height, depth, and width, then we also have the fourth dimension of time. The fifth dimension in, in my positing is consciousness. The consciousness itself is a dimension into which all things are immersed. By the way, before we jump into other things quickly here, I do want to just wrap up this this part here. And going back to your popularity, have have you ever, I guess you can say, dealt with any sort of physical threats, perhaps? Uh, I, I dealt with with threats of physical violence and uh you know the, for the for the first while that this uh, started happening um, I I would put out a an invitation uh, you know I I'm going to tell you I'm I'm not a violent person at all um I I feel like I could I mean I could probably stand up for myself if I needed to but I de-escalate all of those situations I'm not, I don't like violence um I th- I think that it's a pretty um, animalistic way to live but uh 
the invitation that I've always put out there for people who who are uh, in a violent position is, you know, come come and talk to me. Like I, you know, I go out to these events all the time. I'm, I'm I do travel around the country making myself available as much as possible. Come out and meet me and, and I'll, I'll give you a chair to sit in and a beer out of my cooler and we can sit and talk about our differences. And I think that's a, that's, that's huge. And, and nobody, um, not too many people at least have taken me up on, on actually having a discussion about the things that, that we might disagree with. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of how I handled it at first. Uh, there were a couple instances that started to get a little too close to my family, uh, you know. Really? And and yeah, and in, and in that case, I you know I had to take some, uh, you know, for one, getting getting a lawyer on board to send out cease and desist notices and and you know stalking injunctions and this against against people who I guess were a little a little too, had a little too much time in mom's basement than than <laughs> they needed to, but. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, for the, for the most part, there, there hasn't been a lot of that. There, there have been threats and, and rumors of threats, but, uh, there's, so far I'm actually kind of amazed that, it, that, that there's not much that has touched me. There, you know, I put out this, this voodoo video course, uh, last December. And, uh, and the amount of, of threats of curses that I received was amazing. That, that, really? Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, voodoo is one of those things that, or, or in the way that I was teaching at Haitian Badon, is one of those things that you're going to have to go down to Haiti in order to be initiated. Oh, that's right. And, it's very guarded. Oh, extraordinarily guarded. And, and guarded for a reason. This is, right. there's a lot of people in Haiti whose sole income comes from people from America coming down to, to take part in these initiations. I was cutting the revenue stream. And, uh, and so I got a lot of, uh, a lot of curses uh, that, that that supposedly were thrown at me. Um, you know, I had a lot of people uh, that were threatening violence, but once again, that that's never manifested into anything real. And I do, I, I had I had the guy who actually taught me Haitian Badan, Baron de Prince. He told me at one point that if I didn't have an army of spirits behind me, I would be dead already. And sometimes I absolutely believe that, that, that there is a protection that seems to be in place. Very interesting. And let's uh, talk about your website now, Becoming a Living God. And that website is, is actually very informative. I actually enjoy your website greatly. Lots of good material there. Oh, no, thank you. You know, that's, um, I'll tell you what, I, I've got, uh, the, these experiences that are kind of in, in my being and, um, uh, these certain kind of flickers of knowledge that I've got in my head. And my, my partner Timothy is really good, uh, at the job of extracting that from me, of saying, okay, I need 25 articles that you're going to write about this subject or, or that, you know, let's do a few videos on this, this particular spirit. And then I've got to really dive into myself and pull that information out. When, when I, when I started become a living God, what, five years, five, maybe six years ago, the announcement that I made is that First of all, that what I'm doing is going to be rejected and laughed at, and then pretty quickly that people are going to be uh, studying it and replicating it. And that's what's happened already to this point. But the other thing that I said is that this is a 
This is a way for me to upload all that I've learned from my own magical experiments. I belong to several orders and, and cults and organizations to, that, that have taught me their secrets. This is my way of uploading all of that for everybody to, to benefit from and to take, to take away whatever they can from. And, uh, and that, that has been the whole mission of Become a Living God. So it really is an amazing thing with, once again, I, I am absolutely flooding YouTube with it, with videos and, oh, yes. and I'm doing that. I'm, you know, everything, everything that I'm doing with Become a Living God is very targeted and it's not just myself, but it's myself and, and a genius, genius partner who once again helps extract this plus an entire team of people that are helping guide what I'm doing to, to its, its best conclusion. And, from the very, and even before the very first book that I wrote, as I was getting involved in these different orders and groups and writing uh, articles, my whole goal was to reach as many people as possible with the knowledge of their own godhood and the ways that you can unlock that. And that's really what, what I've targeted is there is a whole host, there are countless people out there that are looking for I guess that key that's going to turn the lock. And, uh, and I think I've got at least a good part of it. Yes. Lots of big names there, like Lon Milo Duquette and Robert Bruce. And of course, your partner, who I believe is quite the visionary. Yeah. Now, you know, I'll tell you what, that, that is something that, that has, it's very, very interesting to be on the inside of this particular circle. In that Law My Little Cat, Robert Bruce, uh, uh, Donald Michael Craig, these are people who influenced me, uh, that, I mean, uh, let's see, Hans, uh, uh, or, uh, Welts, um, but yeah, these are people who influenced me, passed their knowledge, uh, to me in some way, whether that's through their, their, their writings or through personal contact, and, and then I'm able to include them in what I'm doing in in my own work and then that's passed down again as i see other people kind of picking up the torch this is this is one of the big things that i had really hoped for you know there there's a lot of um there's a lot of division in inside of any religious structure and you can see this just as easily inside inside of the occult that the black magicians and the white magicians kind of have this feud and then you have all these people a lot of people who are in the gray section that say you know magic is um, every color of the rainbow yeah uh, which is yeah, that, closer to true that guy that wrote those those horrible things about you there he i think he said he's also an occultist so um, there's some personal beef there with you, I guess you could say. Yeah, but, uh, you know, when I, in, in about, uh, 2008, 2007, 2008, I was planning to do a, uh, a, a countrywide tour to promote my two books, uh, Evoking Eternity and Baneful Magic. And I was going to team up with this other, uh, occultist author, Keith Nicholson. He owned a, uh, uh, printing company, a publishing company, NOLA Magic Press down in New Orleans. And uh, we we were going to team up and, and do this tour. And he told me beforehand, he said, by the way, we're going to have a lot of uh, Christian people who maybe try to kill us, uh, you oh, know, wow. send us death threats, uh, that, that we're going to have this. And I, I'll tell you what. We, he and I ended up not doing that tour, but going forward, that kind of stuck in my mind. Well, 
there is a risk to this and that has never at this point, at least not in, in any real way come from the Christian part of society, but from other occultists. And, uh, and, and, and I understand it. I do understand it that I'm taking the things that only them and a couple of their friends maybe knew about and I'm giving it to everybody. And that, that does disturb a sense of, uh, of, I think, specialness with mm. having this information that, you know, the occult, the, the, the word occult means hidden. Right. And, uh, hidden it, knowledge, been, yes. Yeah. And it's been, and it's been hidden for a very, very long time. But I would say for good reason. And, and, and I, I do give thanks to the, the different orders and, and, uh, lodges out there that have kept this, this information safe and secret and from the masses because only 50 years ago, this would not have been used very well and, and, and it wasn't. And then you look back even further in time and, and really this information was kept secret for a reason. But now at this point, we have turned in, into a completely other age of existence. And this is the age of revealing. Absolutely. And, uh, every, everybody's getting the information one way or the other. Thank, thanks uh, to the internet, by the way. Oh, absolutely. 100% thanks to the love, internet. Love the internet, by the way. Gotta, gotta mention it. Gotta thank the gods of the internet, if there is such a thing. Gotta, gotta praise them for it, because, you know, this conversation wouldn't be taking place if it wasn't for the internet. Well, and you know what? Um, so, so I was setting up a, a new computer. One of, one of the interesting things is the, the, the difficulties of, of, uh, Importing spiritual material into uh, technological matter mm. is it, it has a hard time with it. It has a hard time not 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 picking up spirit voices, but the entire tape fries. Um, you know, it's it's not a matter of uh, of you know weird things coming through. It's that the entire hard drive crashes. And so, I've recently had a, a comp- my my entire computer system that I edit all of my videos completely crash on me, overheat oh, wow. at the exact moment that I was uploading these uh, videos and images of uh, the the book of Ariman, the black uh, black magic of Ariman that we just published, that uh, is all about the Lord of Darkness and. Uh, Boom! The the computer crashes. Okay, that's cool. Interesting. I buy a new, <laughs> yeah, I buy a new computer. The computer comes in today. I'm setting it up, and as I'm setting it up, the um the walkthrough all in, in just the last couple of years has gotten amazing. Where you know, it, it, you're talking to basically talking to a person as you're setting up your computer. I've got an Amazon or a yeah, yeah an Amazon uh, Echo in my house, and so I'll just say, "Hey Amazon, play this music for me," or I can play trivia games with her, or I can play chess with her. The, that this we we we've surpassed all tests for whether or not the the internet is artificial intelligence. It is right, yes. And, <laughs> And it's coexisting with us everywhere. It is everywhere. And you know what? I'll tell you what. The 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 machines have taken over. They really they have. Just, it's yeah, funny. You, it's funny you say that because I just had a show not that long ago about artificial intelligence with a artificial intelligence programmer. Uh, I oh, think yeah. you would like that if you heard that one. 
I'll, I, you know, I, I haven't, but I'll have to go back through the archives because oh, got to. I'll, I'll tell you what, this is, this is something that mm, Terrence McKenna, uh, one of my uh, most amazing teachers, ha, uh, taught me is that, that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and it's a matter of how obvious it's going to be. It's not very obvious. Uh, it, it's not a violent over. See, that's, in our human nature, which, which once again, according to Terence McKenna, as humans, we're, we're basically pack hunting apes that have been Im- imbued with this divine essence. And, uh, and so we're extraordinarily intelligent pack hunting apes. Stone and, ape theory, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so with that, we think of, of a, a contact with another civilization as being um, more physical than maybe it is, and uh, and then more violent than it is. I mean, not to get off on too much of a tangent, but the amount of um, unidentified flying objects that are being seen lately is very interesting. And I don't, I don't no, know don't, whether don't worry, don't apologize. Um, you're pretty much being led right into my trap here. I got you to talk on these subjects that I was trying to get you to talk about, and luckily I was able to use some magic. To do so. So, um, here we are talking about UFOs and Terrence McKenna. And I must tell you, back in 2012, that's when I had my spiritual awakening thanks to the psilocybin mushroom. Here's where everything's going to get tied together here. Um, check this out. So you have a video about meditation, a meditation technique to contact aliens. And, um, my, my buddy who is this huge, advocate of psychedelics he was quite the tripper he was all about it and eventually that led him to um change his life and get into religion he became this this christian all of a sudden it was quite the transformation but check this out this character here he was extremely into psychedelics and one of his many claims was that he was able to summon ufos and he was able to do it um, I believe twice with with uh, two different groups of people, two different groups of friends of ours, and this guy actually did it, which was extremely weird. Um, but then again, it, it's not extremely we- weird because many many years ago, when I was a child, I actually had this strange um, experience that kind of mirrors what you talk about uh, during your experience when I believe you said you were 13 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, I mean, and well, uh, so, so this is the big thing I've seen. If I, if I want to see demons, I'm going to see demons. If I want to see angels, I'll meet with them. If I really want to see aliens, I, I'm going to be abducted and have things implanted into my skin and, and to see these flying saucers. And I'll tell you what, this is, this is the interesting thing. When it, um, I, on the side, on the side, I follow what's going on in ufology. I, I don't know enough about it to ever position, at this point, to position myself as any kind of expert at all. I'm an amateur looking on the sides, kind of looking in at what's going on with this. And there's no authority, going, by the way. Just, just, yeah, just get that out of your mind. There, there's really no authority. Right. Well, and, and that's, that's, that is the amazing thing with ufology in particular is that there is no authority and it is a collective of people's experiences. Now, this is what you would call in a scientific study empirical evidence. 
Now, if, if a person or many people experience something, then we have to think, well, something is going on. Correct. And something, yeah. some, something absolutely is going on, but it, it's going on with those who are looking for it. For the, I mean, few and far between are the cases where, where people are, are abducted without having looked into this and, and researched into it and really focused their minds on it. They do exist. Those cases do exist, but not nearly as much as Somebody who goes out into the desert looking for a UFO and sees one. Right. And, uh, and so this, this does bring to mind that there is, uh, I'll tell you what, what, one of the most interesting things I've seen with UFOlogy is that even the government seems confused. And so with that, that, that would lead me to believe, well, something's going on here that maybe is beyond physical science, or at least our physical science as it now stands. And, uh, and with that, that, that leads really easily into the fact that we're not dealing with extraterrestrials, but interdimensionals. And, you know, I, it, it was said just on coast to coast AM the other night as I was listening that, uh, basically if any, extraterrestrial race that visits us is by default interdimensional because of the 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 rigor of travel cannot be withstood Mm -hmm. in a physical vessel that you need to blip into another reality in order to come this far and i completely agree with that 100 percent. i can agree with that yes and and so mm -hmm. so yes so we're really dealing with something not from another planet, but from another realm. And that is completely within my own level of comfort. You know, I came to another theory with another um, popular UFOlogist who passed away. We had talked about this before, privately and on air. We both came to a conclusion that most of these abductions aren't happening in the physical realm they're happening in the astral uh, plane and i think i think you could understand that part since you're very knowledgeable with with the works of robert bruce so uh, that's yeah. why lots of people they have reports of uh, about being taken through walls and doors and it it made me think perhaps that these people are being abducted through the astral plane well, you know, the, the first, um, and, and I call it soul travel. Robert Bruce calls it astral projection, mm-hmm. but, uh, in conversations with him, we're talking about the exact same, same thing. thing. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my first soul travel experience, I mean, I, I had a few that seemed like they were just my imagination that I could write off as just being my mind wandering. Yeah, and that's, that's, that is what the first few astral projection or soul travel experiences feel like to people is, is, and it was kind of there, but at the same time, like, I, I was just, it was just in my head. Well, that develops to the point where it's not just in your head, where it feels like your whole body is going somewhere else. And so my, my first experience was standing, uh, above the valley that I live in, you know, St. George, Utah, a little town that I live in is, is in a, in a very nice valley and I was standing on the ridge, Working when I was doing, I, I was working as a uh, custom painter, mm-hmm. and uh, so I go out in, on on the balcony to have my coffee and my morning cigarette, and and breathe out and push myself down to a corner that I could see on the streets in the valley below, and I was there. It wasn't just a maybe. I think I'm there, but it was like my body had gone with me. But at the same time, I could feel my body still up 
on that balcony. I could still smoke my cigarette and drink my coffee and taste it and everything while at the same time being in a second location. Now, with alien abduction scenarios, it, it is interesting that so many cases do say that they can, at least those that are, are resolved at this point, say that they can, they, they can feel the metal bed underneath them and still feel their own bed and their, and their, their sheets and their comforters right. on top of them. Mm-hmm. And, and that there's, that they're experiencing both simultaneously. And now, when you don't have a frame of reference of soul travel or astral projection, that has got to be quite startling. Once you kind of do have that framework, though, then the picture becomes a lot clearer. Yeah, these complex, lucid dreams, very interesting. And speaking of dreams, you know, I I had a number of them that lead me to believe that I was probably abducted and that you had the same the same notion yourself. And you actually thought you were implanted with some sort of material, correct? Yeah, you know, uh, like you said, when I was about 13, I I, I was reading Whitley Strieber's Communion. And uh, I would read that in bed before I went to sleep. And then I woke up one morning with a panic, uh, uh, wondering if I had been abducted. And, uh, and went into the, the bathroom and looked in the mirror and I, I sort of... My, my hand went immediately to my neck, to the side of my neck, where I could feel that there was something there that shouldn't have been there. Um, I, I I didn't mention it to my my father, who I was living with, because I I, I didn't I, I was afraid that it was some sort of growth, some sort of cancer, sure. something or whatever. And so I, I at 13 years old, there was no way I wanted to invoke that into my life. And so I kind of just ignored it for a bit but but would keep every time i got in front of the mirror would keep feeling it and playing with it until my neck was red and and, and my family actually you know asked me if it if i was okay Ooh. but um but i could feel this little it was like a rectangular box that was inside of my my skin and uh i, I resolved at one point you know this was created somehow by me, and so therefore I, I'm going to put an end to it. And uh, and just to fix my mind on that, I don't remember what I did with that with uh, that book, Communion, but uh, it was out of out of sight, out of mind, and just focused my mind on other things. And and all evidence just resolved itself, just went away. And uh, and but but nevertheless, there was a certainty that I had been abducted. Now, at this point, I, I live, I live once again in southern Utah. We're right over the border from Nevada and, uh, I'll drive right across the area of desert that's known as Area 51. And, uh, you know, I've gone to Burning Man a couple times and, uh, we've driven across, uh, across the desert for that. And that does get you right very, very close to that, that, uh, well-known mailbox. Oh, yes. I, I've had several experiences right around that highway that, that are very, very odd. Um, metallic shapes, like, um, I, I can only see like maybe javelin points. You're very much into, in you're very much into UFOs, Eric. I'm not sure why you are trying to hide it. <laughs> okay. yeah, well, well, that's here's here's why I'm trying to hide it. All right, and and it's the same reason that I don't I don't get into very much with with uh, reincarnation. It's the exact same thing. It's really hard to put myself into that group of people. 
um, that, uh, that, that I do see a good deal of, of self-manifested reality that is superimposed upon the objective reality. Now, uh, I want, I once met this girl that, that she swore that her, her astral form was a dragon and, uh, and that everybody who, who saw her who had any sensitivity would see her as a dragon. Now I met this girl and she just looked like a girl to me. And, uh, and, and so I had to kind of go from there to what is this fulfilling in your life? What is this doing for you? Now I see this, I, I see this with people who are heavily into reincarnation as well as people who are, who are heavily into ufology is this has to do some good for your, for, for you in your life. If it's not, it's really, really a hard thing to focus on. Um, and, and now I do pull myself back from, from focusing too much on UFOs, uh, because it, it, I think it is so easily accessible to, to start getting into some very interesting realms that maybe don't help me in my life. And so I, I do have to look at the utilitarian nature of the thing. Um, in, in all possible apocalypse situations, I have a plan for the, for the uh, aliens. Uh, if, if we have a complete alien takeover, I'm going to show up completely <laughs> ready to take over yes. as a slave lord. Absolutely. I've had those um, dreams, by the way. Oh. It's pretty scary. Yeah, no, I have I have those I have those dreams constantly. Are now, you by the way, do you dream in color or black and white? Uh, I dream in vivid color, vivid color. I, I do in both. It, it's really fascinating. I'm not sure why or how, but I get black and white sometimes too. Yeah, you know, I'm I I I'm not I don't remember any black and white. I do remember um having dreams of things that are in uh almost all blue tones. Oh, um crazy. And Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So, so yeah, but, um, but I do, I do try to, uh, so, so the things that the, that the aliens, at least a certain races of them mm-hmm. are, are supposedly discussing with people through telepathy that they contact are very similar to some of the things that the demons talk to me about when they talk to me about what's coming. Mm, yes. There's a, there, there is a strong correlation there indeed. Right. Well, and, and so if you take, um, if you take the philosophy or the idea of UFOs and aliens and you take this back a couple hundred years to, uh, pre-Christian Celtics or, or, uh, Norsemen, they're going to tell you that's the elves. And, uh, these things have been with us for quite a while and they're not necessarily from another planet, at least, once again, certain types of them. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't rule out, uh, you know, anything at this point. I mean, there's Correct. some interesting stuff going on in Antarctica that, uh, would be really interesting to uncover. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, once again, I, I think it does for me come down to a utilitarian nature because I, if I focus on any one thing, I can make that thing manifest for myself. And, uh, and so I, I, I do, I noticed at one point, that I would, if I would feel something intensely or, or speak something out loud, that it would happen. And, uh, this is I'd why, become... this is why I don't dabble in it too much. I, I feel <laughs> oh, like, I feel like I would be very successful in a lot of these things. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, if I, I, 
I started this this project with a friend of mine, just a little experiment that we were doing. Um, and, you know, we just both met up and had coffee in my on my back porch, and and he pitched this idea of keeping a journal, but rather than just documenting the day's events, that we would document the things that we had manifested that day through our thoughts and our feelings. And uh, it turned out that every day there was at least one major event through the day that I could link directly to what I was thinking about that day. Mm. Uh, to the point that I, I had just bought this uh, this newer vehicle that I'm driving around, and I, I thought to myself, I wonder when this is going to take a crap on me. Now, bad thought. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, but we all have these stray thoughts. We all have these yeah, little, little offshoots. Right. And and so uh, I, I notice it almost as soon as I think it. And I go, God, that's not a very productive thought to have. And then that day, my car blow, literally blows up on me. A, uh, a, a pinhole develops somehow in in one of uh, one of the basically ports in there, and uh, the the entire car shuts down. The engine's blown. Now. I can look at life in every single day at this point that the, the events that, that transpire around me and the opportunities that rise up for me, all of these things are, are manifestations of, of what's going on internally. You know, when, when you have a dream, the figures that present themselves in your dream are parts of yourself. So right. if you see your father that's, mm-hmm. or your mother in your dream, that's pretty easy to, to get into your mind and, and, kind of discern and decipher it in this reality it's not any different that the people that are around us and the events that transpire are all symbolic they're all metaphors of what's going on internally and so if we can shift our attention to controlling the internal we can control the external quite a bit but you do have to be aware of those stray random thoughts that come into mind and and cancel them out almost as soon as they come in because uh once again if uh, I know that for, for a fact, if I if I wanted to know about alien existence, I could have that happen tonight if I really, really wanted it to happen. I really, really, really don't want it to happen because uh, that gives me a whole new uh, kind of dimension of, of oh, yes. problems to try to solve. Yeah, they could really um, sway one's mind about certain different things and... Interesting enough, we were talking about shamans earlier, and they too knew the importance of the dream world. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what. I I, I was just uh, a couple weeks ago researching the Australian Aboriginal tribes and their belief system. And their belief system does revolve around this this dream, what they call a dream time or dream world. And uh, when you're sleeping... You're engaged with a specific aspect of this dream world. When you're awake, you're engaging with an, another aspect of it. When you die, you're engaging another aspect of it. But it's all the exact same world. You're just seeing it from other perspectives. And, uh, and, and it's all a dream. It's all a dream that, that, that keeps on dreaming. By the way, to wrap up the alien discussion here, um, you reminded me of one of Aleister Crowley's um, workings where he allegedly conjured a, an alien. I believe it was called the Amalantra Workings. I think I might have there, are, there are a few of his workings that, uh, that, that look, you know, another one that, that, that some people will claim is Corazon. Um, once again, these, these beings, uh, uh, at, 
many many different junctures in history have been called you know, elves or yeah. angels or I mean the book of Ezekiel is really really hard to ignore when you're looking into all of this so uh, so yeah you know it's um, and 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 it may come down to kind of a preference in 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 how exactly to interact with these beings for for the individual and I I. I don't know that I have enough information at this point to say that the spirits that I work most often with are these same entities. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but there are enough similarities to really make me wonder. There was a gentleman out there, uh, um, Donahue, uh, I can't remember his first name, but, um, he was a remote viewer and he, he looked into these different demons and, uh, and found that they indeed were uh, extraterrestrials. They're, uh, Phil Donahue. And, uh, he did some really, really interesting. It's not uh, Aaron, in- it's not Aaron Donahue, you mean? Oh, Aaron Donahue, yeah. Huh. Phil Donahue's the old dude. Alright, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I was like, Phil Don- I was gonna or, say, uh, yeah, I think that's Aaron, you mean. Yeah, and yeah. No, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron looked into some, uh, some of these things and was able to develop, uh, musical patterns that would summon each of them. And, uh, and this is a technology that, uh, that is very real that I'm actually working on duplicating myself. Very cool. By the way, um, I, I thought you could probably give us maybe a technique or two on how to perhaps summon Either a spirit or maybe even an ET. Well, yeah. So, so what I saw as I looked in every different religion that I could get my hands on and every different system on how to contact spirits, I found an underlying kind of system. And, and, and I, f- I see these systems in a lot of different things. Uh, this is one of, I think, one of my, inherent gifts that I have in this world is I can look into things and find how, how they work. And, uh, with that, I've, I've seen there are a few kind of what, what I call elementary principles of evocation. If you want to summon a spirit or make contact with a, with an entity, there are specific things that you need to do in order to do that. The first is, is to study them and, and to get to know what that entity is like because Let's say somebody just throws out a name to me of some some entity that exists in in the Taiwanese culture. Well, I I don't know. It it is not real to me. I have no right. way of locking on to that energy or that or that archetypal pattern. And so the first thing that's required is to do some research. Do a lot of research. Research this this entity in the same way that you that that, that you can imagine a, a, an obsessed person would research the, their lover you know just getting on go online and find out all you can find out about this person before you have contact now and and, and there is that matter of obsession getting completely wrapped up in it what happens at that point is that you start to you start to see this as not just a figment of people's imaginations but you start to see this as being a real being that's very important and then from there, there, there are some prerequisites as far as using a working system. So if you just, if you just kind of base this on what your imagination might tell you is the way to do this, it might work, it might not. But if you look into the way that spirits have been summoned within that particular culture uh, that that spirit belongs to, 
then you'll be able to actually work within their paradigm. For instance, when I summoned the vision serpent of the Maya, I did exactly as they would do, where I took bone, fashioned this bone into a needle, and pierced my skin to, to draw blood, and then took a stone that was carved into a, a, a jagged point and slit my chest with it to gather blood in order to burn this in a bowl that was for the uh, that was meant for the vision serpent to arise. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, all of this is just a way of, in, once again, investigating that that original system and that spirit and the way that it comes, and uh, and and so I'll tell you what uh, for for working this with any kind of supposedly extraterrestrial entity, you would probably want to go out to somewhere that's extraordinarily secluded. This is usually where these abductions happen. And, uh, and go sit in the darkness for a while and kind of do the same thing. You've researched the, the entity. You know what it's, what, what its likely signs are. And now you start to, as, as you call them forth, whether, once again, you can apply this to any entity. You can also apply this to people. You start to visualize them as being close in your proximity, seeing what it's like to be next to them, to, to feel them near you. And you know, if this is somebody that you've met before, it's really, really easy to imagine what it likes, what it's like to feel them near you. And uh, you can probably even start to smell if they're wearing any kind of perfume or what the surroundings smell like. Try to get all of your senses kind of involved in this imagination. Now, I'll tell you, imagination is the key. With the entire non-linear, non-local phenomenon where we are learning through science that space and time are really just human constructs for the most part. Not what we think they are. Not at all. That imagination is the key to extracting the raw information. And so use your imagination to completely lock into the, the person that you're trying to summon, whether it's an entity, an alien, a, a, or, or once again, a living person. And then start to feel as if they're existing before you. Now, if you're doing this with the spirit, you light some incense and you can see that maybe they're taking form in this incense. Or if you're looking at, looking for aliens, you look, you're looking up into the sky and just, Feeling like they're there, feeling like they're watching you, feeling like they're right next to you. As you do this more and more, you're going to start feeling the air thicken to the point that it gets very, very difficult to breathe, where you can feel your heartbeat has done something unique, but you can't really put your finger on what it is, that you're you're struggling. You're not necessarily struggling for air, but the air that you're getting just doesn't seem to be enough or maybe seems to be too much. And as as you're going through this kind of... um, hyper state you, the the key is to not retreat from it and uh, and so as you're focusing your attention on the thing that you want to summon you, the, as you start nearing that point of feeling like you're maybe about to black out most people will stop there and run for the hills if you have the courage to see it through then you continue with the incantations or evocations or any, in anything that you can do to, to bring that spirit closer to you. And then you enter into a point where this world disappears, that the room that you're in starts to fade to black and that you go deep, deep inside of yourself and you have a face to face communication with that entity. You know, something rather strange happened to me. Last year, around this time of the year, 
I was doing this very show like I'm doing here with you. However, I was saying how if I don't see anything at this event that I was going to, I was going to go to this event called Contact in the Desert. And um, it's quite a quite a spectacular event out there in the desert in, in Joshua Tree. It's a great, great time if you've never been out there. But anyways, there's this expo going on, and I was here doing the show uh, the week before I, I took off. I had said, if I don't see anything in the sky or if, if if anything doesn't happen, then I'm quitting this program. And I meant it. I was serious. Sure enough, something happened, Eric. I, I was in my hotel room. It was dark and I was with someone else and we were just talking and the lights are off. Just me and my friend in the room. And all of a sudden, a great white light just just engulfed the entire room with this very powerful white light and as soon as it went in it just disappeared as quickly as it came through that flash of white light was i've never seen anything like that happen before it seemed almost like someone painted the room white that's how damn bright it was eric and to this day i don't know what the hell that was oh you know what and it's interesting because um as i started going uh, because what, what what I do and what I teach is only loosely summarized by the word occult, because that kind of brings to mind these European rites that were kind of concocted as as blasphemies against the the church. But you know what I engage in is is a a philosophy and a spiritual reality that that encompasses all systems, and uh, and with that. As I kind of transition from pure Western occultism into maybe some of these more ancient religions, I started having that same experience where I'd be sleeping and or laying down to sleep. This is this is actually actually very important that right before you start to fall asleep, that a bright light would shine and 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 it would shine so bright that it was coming through my eyelids not it wasn't an internal mental thing it was coming through my eyelids and then when i would open my eyes the light would be gone now hmm. in my book questing after visions I, I in researching that book i was really trying to figure out why we have visions how to duplicate these visions uh how anybody can become their own prophet and uh what I landed on is is that there are these unique states that human beings enter where we have alpha and beta states that are basically our normal waking states and and so whether you're you're studying for a test or or relaxing and watching a TV show you're usually in alpha or beta brainwave states brainwaves, and, yes mm-hmm. yeah now when you fall asleep you're in delta state between delta and beta is theta state. Now, most binaural beats and this sort of thing tries to, and, and even hypnosis tries to bring you into low beta states. But if you go just a little bit lower into a point uh, that, that can be accessed either through deep, deep meditation or through ecstasy, that you enter into this point of, of the theta state. And the theta state is directly above delta sleep. And so as you're falling to sleep, your brain is kind of shutting down and going through these levels of, of its own uh, energetic emissions 
that uh, that you'll get into the theta state and have hypnagogic hallucinations where you know you'll you'll have this this minor dream that you're roller skating and you fall or something and you'll jerk back awake that's a, a good example of what happens in the theta state your whole body reacts to it if you can hold the theta state for only a few seconds under your control without slipping into delta then what starts happening is you're tr- you start triggering these high, high brainwave states, higher than anything that can be accessed through study or through intellectual absorption in anything. The theta states at first were running about double what you could accomplish if you were actually engaging your brain. But it, as you relax more, the theta states rise to, to being four, five, ten times as much energetic exasperations you can get out of your brain now what this is telling us is that you're activating parts of your consciousness that you normally wouldn't and once again this is tied directly into this exact same state that you enter when you fall asleep and so every night not necessarily in sleep but immediately before or immediately after sleep are extremely potential times. This is when people will see manifestations of spirits. This is when people will have out-of-body experiences, hag attacks, sleep paralysis, is either right before or right after falling asleep. Definitely. Now, in regards to rituals, do you think any world leaders have actually dabbled in any kind of occult ceremonies? I know um, going back to... Uh, the Podesta brothers, it seems. It seems like um, these guys were into some of the work by Marina Abramovich, if, if you know who that is. I do, you know, I do, I do in, in more in passing than in actual study, but uh, mm-hmm. she's quite right, the so, performance artist, I see. Right. Well, you, you know, when 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 these well, when we talk about world leaders. At this point in our social development, I think we have to include people who are not necessarily leaders of nations or religions, but leaders of corporations. Mm, yes. That's, we, mm-hmm. we are definitely living in an age of, of corporatocracy. And uh, with that, you look at the people who are heading some of the, the most wealthy corporations uh, and, and even look at the people who are listed as the most wealthy people in existence and listen to the things that they say and and what what they'll tell you as far as their secret to success these are all occult things and and it's been summarized mm-hmm. yes. recently as as law of attraction or, or that sort of thing they just word it differently the, exactly the the they're wording it in a way and and I'll tell you what this is um this is possibly the the bridge that that makes uh, the the people who are in the occult kind of dislike me somewhat at least some of them is that there is a matter of wording there is a matter of putting this in a way that is palatable to most people and uh, and if you can do that if you can appeal to the the average person with your really transcendental philosophies then you've made it mm-hmm. and uh there there has been definitely a movement going on with this and so these the 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 most wealthy people in this world will tell you that it's not necessarily through your actions but through your thoughts that it's not necessarily 
through your contacts, but through your own internal connection, that you see the vision of the thing that you desire and you put all of yourself into it, that you see that as being a reality and you invest all of your energy towards that goal. And, you know, like the, the caller that we uh, we had just uh, a few minutes ago was saying, yes. mm-hmm. it, the, there is definitely a matter of, uh, of putting your intention and your energy and your work into, into doing the things that you want to do, into accomplishing what you need to do. And so, so with these rituals, the, there is, there is no great ritual that will unlock everything to you. There are a lot of small rituals you can do. Uh, there, there are, I mean, even, even in making a pact, forming a relationship with a specific spirit, you, you're not going to simply sign your name in blood and it's all done. You are then going to summon forth that spirit daily and discuss with it the things that you can do to change your reality. And then you're going to do those things. There, there, there is a, a definite uh, um, incumbents upon the individual to do the things that, that would bring them the success that they desire. And then as you do so, you see that reality does start to change. But, you know, with, with world leaders, that, that definitely there are – Rituals being performed, but they, I don't think too many of them even acknowledge that these are rituals in any way. Oh, it's just something I tell myself in the morning, or it's just the way that I look at life. But these are uh, occult processes that have been in place since the very first sorcerers walked this earth. True. Just by going to church, you're basically conducting a ritual. Oh, and especially by going to church. I mean... I, I I had this this friend for a while that was a Catholic priest. He was also a practicing occultist, and oh, so wow. interesting would, combo there. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. But so he would look at the symbolism of the Eucharist, and he would look at the the spiritual reality of of the transmutation of one element into another, and uh, and he would use this as he was blessing the sacrament. And uh, and with that, the effect that he was able to have that I witnessed upon in entire congregations was was astounding. Uh, the the symbolism within religion is is very very magical. And and even if you look at the religions themselves and really dissect their symbolism, it all leads back to the occult predecessors that they borrowed it from. By the way, Eric, when was the last time you've been inside a church? Hey, it's been, <laughs> been a it's minute, been right? Several years. It's, it's been, been a while. while. Yes, I was gonna say, um, if you've been there lately, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed in so many years. But there's people in there that are they're so emotional. They're crying. They're laughing. They're cheering. They're singing. They're, there's more crying. Uh, for these people, it's almost like a spiritual experience for some of these folks out there. We, you know, uh, in in in. The Mormon religion, every the first Sunday of every month, you would have what was called fast and testimony meeting. That you would fast for the day, so you basically wouldn't eat breakfast, and uh, and then you would go to church hungry, and therefore kind of primed. You know, uh, if you want to indoctrinate anybody, just to deprive them of food and tell them the things that you want them to know, and uh, it'll yes. take root pretty quickly. So. Uh, so you, you do this fasting and you go into to this sacrament meeting where 
it's basically open mic. And so for an hour, anybody that wants to get up and, and talk about their spiritual experiences is welcome to. And there's very little spiritual experience and a whole lot of emotion. And that's, that's one of the big things that people will confuse their intense attachment and their emotional reaction with a spiritual event. And, and that's a, I think that's a fatal flaw in it because in, in a true spiritual state, sure, you'll, you'll be enveloped and, and completely filled with peace and, and love and ecstasy. But there's also a non-attachment that takes place that if you, if you see the ecstasy that goes on within Christian churches, it's, um, largely emotionally based and, and sometimes just ecstasy for the sake of ecstasy, which is fine. But I'll tell you what, I, I was in a group of, of people at one point that practiced psychic vampirism. And so we would, uh, we would feed off of either a single individual or groups of individuals and uh, and basically siphon their spiritual energy into ourselves. And the best groups of people were to, cho- to choose were the Pentecostals because they, they were just putting off so much energy, just throwing it up into the air. Wow. Now, if you're, if you're feeding an, an egregore, I mean – Anybody in this audience can, can go away from this and, and take a, a piece of clay and form out in the image of, of an entity. Like, what would you imagine revenge would look like? Or what would you imagine success would look like if it were a person? And then form that into a piece of clay and then give it a name, whatever name you choose, whatever name jumps into your mind. And, uh, and then you begin to gaze at that object as if it's real and you start to imagine that that being is real and pretty quickly it becomes real and then you have to feed it and you can feed it with your blood you can feed it with your ecstasy you can feed it through masturbatory rites whatever whatever way that you need to to get your energy into that object or into that spirit and that feeds it and it grows larger and larger now we can see this with the christian church that if you're yeah, any of the Christian churches or cults that if you're focusing your energy and your ecstasy upon a, a specific symbol or a specific figure that you're feeding that egregore to grow. Yes, always about the power of intention that the powers of the mind is, it's quite fascinating. The subconscious mind, the power that we all possess inside. There's probably a reason why certain entities want to visit us. Um, there seems to be something about us that makes us somewhat quote-unquote special. No, there absolutely is. Um, one of the big... One of the big fallacies I think that's out there within the occult world and the religious world is that there is something better after this. And... My, my retort to that is, is really what I call the, the anti-transmigrational philosophy. The, the transmigrational philosophy is that we're here, we're suffering or learning a lesson or whatever, and that when we die, we go to someplace better. My philosophy that, that is really cultivated through my experience is that we are in that someplace better, that we have evolved to being physical singularities of spiritual reality. And so with that, we are in a unique position to create physically that which was only realized in the imagination previously. And so 
with with that, I mean, we we are very very unique, very special in that we can create our own realities in this physical time space. And uh, the, when when you look at this, the ancient scriptures that say that God that man was created in God's image. And this is not just Christian, but this is throughout many, many, many societies and cultures that we were created as gods here. We were created as creators. And, uh, this is, this is the better place that we have migrated to. I acquiesce. Uh, you're not going to get any arguments out of me, uh, from any of that. Um, myself and you share a lot of the same thoughts and ideologies and it's always an honor and pleasure to have you here, Eric. Thank you. No, it's 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 always so fun to come on and chat with you for sure. This is uh um you know, once again I I I do not only think and and believe, but I see it day in and day out that more and more people are are really tuning in to the things that could possibly give them the answers that they've been searching for for so long. And so I'm very grateful for that. Yes, I'm going to have to look more into some of your material. Lots of great content there on your website, becomealivinggod.com. My guest here is Eric, or E.A. Coetting, if that's what you want to call him, folks. That's perfectly fine with him. I don't think he's going to get too angry with you. But, yes, Eric, I do want to thank you once again for being here tonight and sharing your time with us. I do want to leave you with... The final word. Oh, man. I mean, the final word, I guess, would be dive in. And whatever that means for you, dive in. Let's, uh, hit, hit your spirituality, hit your, your, if you're atheist, hit your atheist nature as hard as you can and just really explore. We're put here not necessarily with a destination, but with an objective to explore. So explore yourself and your world around you as much as you can. I love that. By the way, go ahead and, and plug um, your website or any sort of, maybe do you have a seminar coming up or anything? You know, um, so my website, becomealivinggod.com. You can go there, check out my catalog, check out all my videos, newsletters. I've got so much stuff that's there completely for free that you can check out and really dive into. Um, but you know, we've got this, this book coming out, Awakening Lucifer. And this book, uh, really unveils who Lucifer really is, what he's all about. This was written by Bill Dubedak. Asenath Mason and several initiates of, of the Temple of Ascending Flame. And, uh, it, it is an amazing, amazing work that really looks into who, once again, who Lucifer is, who he's been throughout many, many different systems and, and religions. And so, you know, we've got this coming out, uh, just next month. It's actually just in a few weeks now. So, uh, so keep an eye on that. Becomealivinggod.com slash Lucifer. Very nice. Well, once again, thank you for being a part of the program, and I'll touch base with you again in the near future. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. See you on the flip side. Take care. And that was my guest, Eric Coetting, or E.A. Coetting, which I believe he's more popular with that moniker. If you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the TuneIn Radio if you enjoy this program and want to keep this project moving forward, please feel free to donate any amount. Go to michaeldeacon.com. I profoundly appreciate it. 
Thank you kindly. I'll return again Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Mark Sargent. Then Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, my goodness, with Marshall Masters. He returns with an update on Planet X and his new book, Two Suns in the Sky, Who Lives and Who Dies. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hogan right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this should exist before 726. I'm a real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. You guys are, you guys are really big. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That son of a bitch. I, I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the butt and then you say, what the fuck do you have in your pocket? What the fuck are you going to be smoking time about midnight? That's what I want. Just have to tell you both the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Introducing the greatest tag team on the radio. Guess what, motherfuckers? successful victory.